This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 184. In this episode, I am diving into when to discuss the behavior with kiddos. So often when it comes to behavior, we have this inclination to step in and talk about it right then, what they can do, what they can't do, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, etc. Because we have these underlying fears of if we don't talk about it right now, they'll think this is okay. If I don't address this, am I encouraging it to happen again? We're diving into all of that in this episode because the reality is in the moment, is the worst time to discuss the behavior. So let's dive into what we can do in the moment and when we can come back to talk about the behavior in a way that's more effective, both for the short and for the long term, and more productive. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Listen, y'all, when we are emotion coaching, it is not a time for law enforcement or delivery of justice. I'm going to repeat that because that is the theme for today's episode. When we are emotion coaching, it is not the time for law enforcement or delivery of justice. Let's say your child hits a friend at a play date. Your inclination might be to address the behavior. We don't hit. Hitting makes him feel sad. Oh no, when you hit him, it made him feel sad. What should we do to help him feel better? You might be tempted to go there first. If we are addressing the behavior right now, the child's emotional needs are not being met, which means we will likely see another behavior real soon. 
We also won't see a change for the future if we don't teach this kiddo how to build awareness around their emotions, express them in a pro-social manner, and how to process them. When the child is feeling an emotion, they have cortisol running through their body. Cortisol is a hormone that is our like fight, flight, freeze hormone. It actually does quite a bit in our body. And what happens is that your hypothalamus near pituitary gland, which are both located in your brain, they can sense if your blood contains the right amount of cortisol. If it's too low, your brain will ask your body. If it's too low, your brain will let your adrenal glands know, located down by the kidneys, and they will up the cortisol. They'll pump a little bit more out. This will vary from day to day and instance to instance. When your body is on high alert, when you are operating from your amygdala, which is another portion in your brain, then your body sends the message for cortisol to increase. So you get this rush of cortisol and it shuts down your prefrontal cortex, which is your rational thinking, decision-making part of your brain so that you can react to situations when your body feels like you're in danger or there's fear of something, then it's your body's job to simply react and not be thinking like, what should I do here? When the cortisol is on high alert, when there's a bunch of it running through your body, it's going to shut down a lot of things in your body, actually. The functions of your reproductive systems, your digestive systems, your immune system, and even growth processes will be off. And then the idea is that after the danger has passed, your cortisol levels should calm back down and regulate your heart and your blood pressure and other body systems will get back to normal and it'll regulate. And then you could say, talk about the behavior. But when there's high cortisol, what we are doing to support our kids is emotion coach them and provide them with coping tools and co-regulation to help them regulate, to help stop producing so much cortisol, to leave the amygdala and come to the prefrontal cortex. Once they've hit, they're not in a place right now to rationalize. Their heart is racing, their blood pressure is up. Their body's probably tense. They have cortisol rushing through their body. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 
voices. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. Our job is to emotion coach them. More on that in episode 63, if you want to dive deeper there, to emotion coach them and support them through this. We talk a lot about this in episode 61 on hitting and how to respond. But I get a lot of questions about like, well, then when do we talk about the behavior? How is my kid going to know that they're not allowed to hit? So that's what we're going to focus on here. But I think it's key that you understand the systems first. What can happen is that If we have cortisol rushing so often, or it's not being regulated, so if when the cortisol rushes through a kid's body and they aren't emotion coached and supported in in regulating that cortisol and learning coping strategies to help themselves learn how to regulate it, what can happen is cortisol continues to flow through the body and not regulate and not calm down. And this can be a leading cause in things like anxiety. When you are experiencing anxiety, you're in fear, you're stuck in fear, operating from your amygdala with cortisol really dictating your decision-making. You're not accessing your prefrontal cortex. You're not from a calm place where you get to make decisions with rational decision-making. It can affect so many things. It can affect memory and concentration, and um, it's linked to a lot of like chronic illnesses, headaches, and heart disease, weight gain, and trouble sleeping, because what we're doing is creating a hormone imbalance. So there's so, many, there's so much from an emotional development perspective for why we don't talk about the behavior when a kid is experiencing this emotion. But from a biological, like physiological standpoint here, it's our job to help them regulate the cortisol first. Okay, so say you've emotion coached them, great, they're calm, we've processed, we're moving forward, and now you go to talk to them and they run away, or they say, I don't want to talk about it, or they just say no. How do we navigate this then? So first of all, I don't want to talk about it until way later, like maybe even like a half hour or hour later. I want to give the body time to really process and regulate that cortisol. 
I know just for myself, like if I get really upset about something, if I feel triggered in some capacity or I'm angry, if you try to talk to me about what I could do differently while I'm still feeling like flooded with that frustration, I'm not receptive to it. In fact, I probably, yeah, no, most likely get pretty like sassy. Even earlier, I was in a conversation with Zach and I was feeling a little dysregulated, feeling a little triggered by something. And then he said, can I give you some advice on something totally unrelated to what I was triggered by, but still was just like, can I give you some advice? And I should have just said no, but in a sassy way, I said, well, you're gonna anyway, aren't you? And I said, go ahead. (laughs) Really inviting, Alyssa. And so then he gave me a piece of advice and I was defensive in receiving it because I really wasn't in a place to talk about it yet. Instead, what I should have said was like, you know what? No, right now I don't feel ready to talk about it. Can you tell me later? A kid can't say that. Also, I think it's really important to note that typically when a child or any human has exhibited a behavior that's not pro-social, when I say pro-social, I mean it's like a positive, helpful behavior, and it's intended to promote social acceptance or friendship. So a pro-social behavior might be being kind to a friend that they're playing with or even saying hey, it hurts my feelings when you say that could be a pro-social behavior rather than hitting them. Because what we're trying to do in communicating feelings is build on a relationship. And so if a kid exhibits a behavior that is not pro-social, like they hit or they hurt somebody or they take a kid's toy, if they do something that they know is not what they're quote-unquote supposed to do or isn't kind, afterwards they likely feel embarrassed and guilty in the same way that when we yell at kids, even though we don't want to, and even though it's not our intention, but it'll happen because we're human, we yell at kids or we make mistakes later, we don't feel great about that. It's not like you do it and then you're like, oh, I feel so great and empowered. When you go to talk with them about the behavior, keeping in mind, they probably still feel embarrassed and and or guilty. So I love to start off with, hey, bud, you're not in trouble. Or, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I'm not mad at you. I know that you didn't want to hurt them. Or I know that it feels really crummy in your heart that you took Stacy's truck earlier when she was playing with it. Oh, it's so hard when you really want to play with something and somebody else is using it. If you can start from that place, from a place of genuine connection with them, if you go into it just like, I'm going to tell them that what they did was wrong and here's what they need to do next time, it's not going to be well received. But if you can go in from a genuine place of connection of like, man, I know that that's really hard and I know that that stinks and I know you're probably feeling crummy about it right now. I'm not mad at you. I want to talk to you about what happened and maybe what we can try and work on next time. I want to know if there's something I can do to help you for next time. Now we can talk to them about the behavior. Sometimes they still might not respond to you. That's okay. 
you can still say stuff to them that they receive and hear and understand and feel validated and seen without having them respond. I think when we make them respond with like a, did you hear me? Or what do you think you could do next time? And they sit there quietly. And I'm going to say, oh, it sounds like you're not sure what to do next time. Let me think. Well, I remember one time when I was, and then I would tell a social story. I really wanted to have a turn with this bike. And I was in first grade and Allie was using the bike. But her bike did really cool things that my bike didn't do. And I really wanted to try hers out. And so I went up when she wasn't watching and I took her bike and I rode it around the block and I came back and she was so sad. She thought it was missing and I ended up giving it back, but I really felt crummy about it later. And I knew that I made her sad and I didn't want to make her sad. I just really wanted to have a turn with the bike, but I'm not sure what I could have done differently. And so the next time when it happened again, I really wanted to turn. I didn't know what else to do. And you can let them know, like, yeah, man, sometimes it's hard to know what else to do. And so then I asked my mom or I asked my aunt or I asked my teacher what I could do if I really want to have a turn with something and somebody else is using it. And they said, well, you could ask them. You could tell them, oh, man, what you're using looks like so much fun. And I've never tried that before. I'd really like to have a turn when you're done. Could I try it next? And if they say no, if you still really want to try it and you need help figuring out what to do next, you can always ask an adult. You can come to me and say, hey, I don't know what to do here. In fact, you know what, guys? I was in a group and there were a bunch of kiddos and we were all going to be spending a few days together. And... I, at this point, quite naturally, will step into kid conflict and emotion coach both sides and be the like witness and the facilitator of problem solving and conflict res. So I was doing that. And I said this to one of the kiddos. I said, you know what, bud? I know that it's really hard in the moment when you're frustrated to figure out what to say or what to do. That's kind. And so if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling really frustrated and you don't want to hit them or you don't want to tell them that they're stupid, but you don't know what else to do, you can always come ask me and say, and and you can let me know that you're really mad and you want to have a turn with this and I will come help you. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. 
No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. What I'm doing by helping them and giving them that option is modeling for them how to navigate conflict resolution and problem solving. And eventually they won't need me. Eventually they'll have these tools. But what they're saying is, I don't have these tools yet. And I think when we leave it to kids to figure this out on their own without giving them this toolbox, we set them up for failure. I think it is our job to step in and be able to facilitate these conversations. And sometimes... I mean, for me, often it means I'm doing it in front of their parents. And honestly, guys, probably 80 to 90% of the time afterwards, parents will be like, oh man, like that they learned something from watching me do that. I think so often we're nervous about emotion coaching another person's kid or navigating the problem solving or the conflict res with another person's child, especially if your child's involved in it. But I think more times than not, the other parent is grateful to A, not have to, B, they might learn something along the way here. I think all of us are hungry for like, what else do we do in this situation? So many people are walking around not knowing how to respond or how to react or what could be helpful here. And so when we step in and can emotion coach, I think it can be wildly helpful In the instance of the hitting or the hurting someone or taking somebody else's toy, in the moment, I'm just emotion coaching. And there might be adult feelings here, like your own feelings that you have to regulate and process because you might feel like the other parent, especially if your kid did the hitting or whatever, the other parent might be looking at you and you maybe expecting an apology, or you might feel judged, or you might feel insecure or embarrassed that your child hurt somebody else. So you might feel tempted to do something like, hey, go tell them that you are sorry, or to talk about the behavior, and it's not actually about your kid, it's about you then. If you can regulate and emotion coach this kiddo, you can go up to the parent afterwards and say like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like we're working on this and she's still learning what to do when she really wants a toy or whatever. I'm really sorry that your kiddo got hurt. And I bet that other parent is going to receive it really well. I bet you hear something like, oh my gosh, it's no problem. Like that's a part of being a kid or something along those lines. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if another parent came up and said that to you? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that your kiddo got hurt. My child's still learning this. We're really working on it. 
if you feel like you need to address it with the parent afterwards, you go right ahead. But in the moment, if you can regulate your emotions so that you can respond with intention rather than react because of your feelings, it's going to go a long way. So later, when you're talking to this kid, you can say things like, man, it really hurts when you get hit. Or even, I wonder how it would feel if you were waiting to have a turn and somebody came up and took that truck and ran away. Or how does it feel for you when you are climbing up on the slide and somebody comes up and they kick you? I wonder how that would feel. You can now build in the empathy and say, and and when they say like that would hurt or ouch, it hurts, you can let them know like, yeah, and I know that you didn't want to hurt them. I think you were feeling really frustrated. You really wanted to have a turn. Next time you could blank. And if you need help, you can always ask me. So we're talking about this behavior. We are going to address it but we're not doing so until they're calm. Otherwise, they genuinely, from a physiological perspective, they cannot take this information in because they're in their amygdala. They're in their feelings brain. They're not ready for rational thinking yet. And so our job is to get them in the habit of recognizing when they're having a feeling and that rush of cortisol. Oh my goodness, I see that your shoulders are up to your ears. And your chest looks so tight and your hands are clenched. Your face is so red. Goodness, you look frustrated. So that they start to learn what this feels like. Guys, so many adults are still working on this. So many adults are still working on this. Where we don't know what we're feeling until we explode. So starting to help kiddos build this emotional awareness of what they're feeling so that they can start to learn And when you're feeling that in your body, what can you do to help your body feel calm? You could stomp your feet. You could do 10 big jumps. You could come ask for a hug. You could take a deep breath. You could say, oh, I'm so frustrated. I need space. And you could take space and take a deep breath. That's our goal here. Our goal isn't to tell a kid that hitting hurts. They know that it hurts. They know they're not supposed to bite. They know all these things. What they don't know is what to do when they're having a hard feeling and how to find their calm in the moment. What they don't know is how to recognize those feelings when they're building before they explode. Behavior is a form of communication, and we get to ask ourselves, what are they communicating? What tools don't they have yet? What do they need more support in? And then we get to figure out how to best support them there. But we're not talking about that behavior until way later, and we're not talking about it from a place of shame. They already feel that. They already feel it. In the same way that so many of you slide into my DMs feeling badly after you've yelled or after you've reacted instead of responded. They already feel that. We don't have to drive that home. Instead, we get to build their toolbox with what they're saying they still need help with. All right, y'all. Ooh, I can't wait for this follow-up discussion. As always, take a screenshot and share it over on Instagram. Tag at seed.and.so, S-E-W. I love to see where you're tuning in from. 
I want to continue this discussion over there. So come on in and let's chat about it. What follow-up questions do you have? What really hit home for you? What areas do you feel like you need more support in uh, or need to work on? Because we can continue to dive deeper into this. It's the whole point of this free to you podcast. All right, guys, have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.